Last week I started a message uh, entitled, Draw Me and I Will Run After You. Draw Me. It's based on the song of Solomon and uh, it's a love song between Solomon's bride-to-be, referred to as the Shulamite woman. I mentioned last week that there is no race of people that we know of as Shulamites. Shulamites are never mentioned in the Bible other than in this instance. Theologians believe that it is symbolic of a love relationship between God and his church, Jesus and the church, and the reason why it is not represented by a people group because it represents all people groups. And so in this love dance between Solomon and his bride-to-be, in the banter, in the courtship, in the love languages going back and forth, she sings to him and says, draw me, and I will run after you. Last week, to introduce this series, I showed uh, uh, some video clips of how male birds in the wild court female birds. And for those of you who weren't here, uh, I put another little clip together today just about male birds in general. And because the video last week got such an overwhelming response, in a minute or two, we're going to show that one again as well, just in case you weren't here, because it sets the flow for my message this morning. So we're going to dim the lights and let it roll. challenge for all male birds of paradise. To attract a female, looking good is only half the story. To seal the deal, he must get creative and dazzle her with his performance. It really catches the eye. Who wouldn't be impressed with these moves? Okay, it's not exactly Swan Lake. But it works. <laughs> the same way, everything is created to some degree in the image of God. And even the wildlife, nature, longs for companionship, longs for relationship. We must take the formality out of Christianity. It's what makes it religion. Religion never gives way to relationship. Everything about our faith must be relationship-based. And therefore, it shouldn't be a surprise that God actually wants to have a love relationship with you. And God will court you. He will court you. He'll posture. He'll position himself. He'll leave gifts at your feet. There are uh, certain uh, 
breed of penguins that in their courting ritual, they will pick up a rock and bring it to a possible mate and drop the rock at her feet as a gift. And then she either gives him the come on in or he hangs his head and does the walk of shame. (laughs) And he just keeps collecting rocks and bringing, you know, as humans, we're not that different. We bring a rock. It's called a diamond. <laughs> we just hedge our bets a little bit better. Before we spend that kind of money, we make sure we're on a sure thing. But what we see is the desire for relationship. And God is not this unapproachable, mystical creature out there somewhere in the never-never. He wants to be here with you in the ever-present. He wants to talk to you. He wants to relate to you. He wants to have fellowship with you. And so in this illustration of the song of Solomon, here between Solomon and this bride-to-be, she says to her lover, uh, she says, draw me and I will run after you. Last week, we watched a video clip of three different types of male birds and the ritual that they go through to draw a potential mate. And unfortunately, each of these three video clips all melded into one are a picture of rejection. The man does his, uh, his dance, he does his invitation, puts on his best presentation, and has a no-show. And so for those of you who saw it last week, this is a repeat. For those of you who haven't seen it, this just continues to set the trend and the mindset for this message this morning. Thank you, guys. It's hard not to feel deflated when even your best isn't good enough. The red-capped mannequin has a very different act. It's a kind of sliver. 
doesn't seem to be working. The question is, when God draws you, when God is attempting to get your attention, when God wants to spend time with you and is hoping that you will respond and run to him, do we ignore his invitation and push him aside? because we have greater love interests. I believe that the Spirit of God is always drawing us. You know, we conveniently, and we like to quote that one scripture, God is love. Then if we really believe that God is love, then how can love want anything less than a passionate relationship? Every one of us as Christians quote that scripture. And we are consoled in the fact that God is love. But if we understand that God is love, then we already understand that what God expects in return is passionate relationship. And anything less than passionate relationship with him is less than what he expects and who he is and what he's come to have with us. You see, I, I, I gave up on church a long time ago. Religion. Religion cannot satisfy my deep longings, nor can religion put up with my idiosyncrasies and brokenness and failures. Religion becomes legalistic. Religion becomes mechanical. But in relationship, when you're in a relationship of love with God, love covers a multitude of sin. And the reason why this relationship works is because God's love is often covering my imperfections. God's love through grace is always covering my inability to hit the nail on the head 100% of the time. But if God is love, he wants your love. He wants your interaction. If he is love, he's not a cold love. If he's love, he's not an insipid love. If God is love, he is the embodiment of passion. And I believe that when we really have a revelation of who God is and we are walking in the fullness of that relationship, we can't have anything but a full, hot-blooded, passionate relationship with our Creator. Can I get an agreement? We have a lot of Latinos here. And we talking about the passion, the Latin passion and uh, the dances that come out of that Latin culture and how Latin men will woo a woman. We have the 
romantics of the Italian culture. And we have the uh, passion of American achievers. And every nationality, every people group has something that they get passionate about. Do you know why we celebrate the cross? The cross is a celebration in Christianity because God got passionate about whooping the snot out of the enemy and setting the captives free. He got passionate about the idea of coming to the rescue of broken humanity. Jesus died on the cross, not because he had an idea, but because he was passionate to win back the lost, the fallen, the broken, the hurting. That wasn't a last-minute weekend idea. That was something he was planning and he orchestrated with passion. So when God is calling, is our response, draw me, and I will run after you? You see, a lot of churches will start the new year with a 21-day fast, and it's just become ritual, or it's something they do, and I'm not saying they do it without passion. Here at Grace and Faith, It's not something that we normally do. But as we came towards the end of 2019, in my time with God, I really felt like God said, I want you to call the church into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so I came here to one of the early morning prayer meetings, all excited to tell Pastor Jan and Pastor Carlos and the pastors on the staff. And so I break the news. We're going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting to start off the new year. And Pastor Jan said, good, I already told the intercessors we're starting the year with prayer and fasting. For a moment, she stole my thunder. (laughs) It's, It's nice to think that sometimes you're the only person who hears from God. You're the oracle. It's a good reminder that none of us are the only oracle, but we all have access to the Holy Spirit. And so I I, I turned to Pastor Carlos to assure him that I had not previously discussed this and that my idea was genuinely from the Holy Ghost. I said, oh, I, I, I didn't discuss this previously with Pastor Jan. He said, no, I know. Pastor Jen and I were actually talking about it ourselves uh, just yesterday, that we both independently felt like we should take the church into a time of prayer and fasting to start the new year. And then I got really excited. Because if God is calling, if God is drawing, he's up to something. Amen, amen. I'm with you, sis. Amen, amen. I am excited because I see the confirmation. I see that God has put it in the hearts of the leaders in this church to call you, all of us, as an assembly, 
to pray and fast because I believe, I am absolutely convinced, I see the footprints in the sand. God is getting ready to do something amongst us. And how many of you are ready to say, draw me and I will run after you. Amen. A one-sided relationship will quickly grow cold and become boring and unfulfilling. In Revelations chapter 2, John is standing before the Lord and he's giving him messages to the different churches. And he gets to the church of Ephesus and that's where we get the book of Ephesians. That was Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians. And the book of Ephesus is, is, is a phenomenal book. It's, it's a little bit deeper than some of the books. To the Corinthian church, it was a church filled with carnality, and Paul is constantly addressing sin in the church. In the book of Ephesians, he talks to them as people who understand that their citizenship in the kingdom of God. He talks to them about their authority and the power that they have in Christ Jesus. And But what's interesting is that what I'm about to read to you is something he said to the church at Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, to the angel or to the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write this. These things said he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Let's go to the next verse. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and they aren't. And you have found them out to be liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But to these people, the church of Ephesus, who understood that they're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, who understood who they were in Christ, the Spirit of God goes on to say, you've persevered, not become weary, but nevertheless I have this against you. You have left your first love. I think we always need to be horribly honest with ourselves. You know why? Because if we're not always horribly honest with ourselves, we're horribly fake. How many people in this room love a fake? Come on, put your hand up. Come on. Let's have it for the fakes. How many of you love a fake? If your employer would have pay you your wages in cash and give you 10 fake $100 bills at the end of the week and tell you you just got a promotion from $800 to $1,000 and he paid you with 100 fakes, you'd get excited, wouldn't you? You see, being honest, being real, cutting through all the bull, taking away all the religious acts, 
being honest is a really important quality. The Bible says that on that day we will stand naked before the Lord. And it's not because he's a pervert. What it means is we stand naked. There'll be no excuses we could hide behind. No justification. We will be without any masks. We'll be naked before the Lord. Truth is a good thing. I love the truth. In fact, I, I've coined a phrase, and it's this. I would rather the ugly truth than the comfort of a lie. Because with the ugly truth, you at least know where you really are and know where you have to get to. And so, the Spirit of God is speaking to John and he's saying, go back and tell the church at Ephesus They've been perseverant, they've been diligent, they've been faithful, they've not grown weary in doing good, but they've lost that passion, they've lost that spark, they've lost that joy, the, that newness of romance. Hey church, a relationship is only as good as what two people will work at it to be. You see, even if one person is strutting their stuff and doing their dance and singing their song and dropping little gifts at your feet, it becomes old if it's not a two-way thing. In any relationship, whether it's just friends, even two buddies, two guys just being heterosexual friends, normal guys, if one guy is always putting out and being friendly and making the attempts to, uh, you know, uh, be social, and the other is always difficult, that friendship isn't going to go as far as what it could. But when both people, when a husband and a wife, a man and a woman are making deposits into the relationship, how many of you know that a bank account grows faster when two people are making deposits? Hello? Yeah, and relationship is exactly the same way. And God says, you've lost that passion. I've been wooing you, and you're doing things purely out of due diligence. You're doing things purely out of a religious posture. Church, this is the beginning of a new year. And we need to, just like we need to with our kids, with our uh, loved ones with our family. We need to revive our excitement. We need to revive our passion in relationship. And we need to stir up our hearts and run after God. Can I get an amen? Come on, are you in agreement? So I believe God is wooing us. I believe God is spreading his feathers. I believe that God is saying to grace and faith, I want to visit you this year. I have things I want to explode upon you. I have things I want to break through. Come, dance with me. Come, run with me. Come into that intimate place so that we can be intimate together so that I can break out amongst you. Amen. How many of you want to have an outbreak of the Holy Ghost? 
The enemy has created outbreaks of all kinds of plagues and diseases. We want outbreaks now to become associated with the moving of the Holy Ghost. We want outbreaks of God's Spirit in our lives. Amen. So I believe God's calling us into 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've printed up uh, for everyone, uh, there'll be a copy after church, uh, a prayer guide. You don't have to follow this. It's a suggestion. Day one, subject by subject, things that we can cover and pray, including and starting with praying for yourself and praying for your family, praying for your unsaved relatives that they'll come to know Jesus Christ in 2020. You know, perfect vision is 2020. We want our unsaved relatives in 2020 to have 2020 Holy Ghost vision that they will see the goodness of God. Can we lay claim to that? I want to talk about three things that fasting isn't. Number one, it's not a hunger strike, an attempt to twist God's arm or change God's mind. When God calls us into a fast, it's not a hunger strike. You're not going to change his mind and you're not going to throw a tantrum and say, God, I'm not eating until I get what I want, so step up. Number two, fasting isn't an obligation. Oh, it's a religious duty, something we have to do. Isaiah 29, verse 13, it says, The Lord says, These people come near me with their mouths. And they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they've been taught. Fasting. Don't fast because you have to. Fast because you get to. In a moment, I'm going to get to the three things that fasting is. But number one, uh, number two, it's not an obligation. God doesn't want us to serve him without the passion and without the spark and without the fire. And point number three, it is not a proud display of self-righteousness. Jesus talked about fasting. Fasting is not an opportunity to show everybody how holy you are. Fasting is not an opportunity to show people how much more you do than they do. In fact, if you publicly make it very obvious you're fasting, Jesus says you already got your reward. You wanted to be seen? Ta-da! You got your reward. You were seen. But if you fast with an attitude of, hey, this is between me and God, what you do in secret, and you're not doing to look bigger or better or to get praise from other people, then your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 17, Jesus says, moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. You know, don't walk around letting everyone know, I'm hungry, I'm fasting. Sorry if I'm grumpy today at work. You're in a fast led by the Holy Ghost and you're going to tell people at work to excuse you if you're irritable because you're fasting? He says, For they 
disfigure their faces so that they can appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they've already received their reward. If you want acknowledgement or validation from people, that's all the breakthrough you're going to get. But how many of you know that fasting will bust through walls? Fasting will bust through chains of darkness. Fasting will break through immovable option, uh, objects. It's like shoving your spiritual life in a high gear. Are you with me, church? Amen. Three things that fasting is. Number one, it's an intimate time with the Lord. And this is probably the least publicized or least thought about. Fasting is about separating yourself from social life. It's about taking time out and just you and God, having God time. This is like the birds of paradise doing this special dance because they want to have a special moment. I told you that God's a God of love. He's a God of passion. He loves human interaction. He loves relationship. I'm thrilled that you all showed up today, and I'm thrilled that you come to church, but we could come to church and not have that spark and not have that passion. And when I deliberately choose to fast to get away with God because I'm going to have love time with him. Yeah. You see, when we fast, it's when you grab your Bible, you grab your notebook, you put on your praise music, you turn off the TV, you tell the wife or you tell the husband, hey, I'm not available for, for these time periods because I want to spend time with God. To the men in this church, set the example. Stand up. Be leaders of spiritual things. Be the priest. You may have never done this before. That's okay. Stand up. You see, a relationship, to be a relationship, has to go both ways. And so the Spirit of God, it's good that the Spirit of God draws us, but we have to be willing to run after Him and to want to spend time in His presence. Can I get an agreement? Are you with me? Absolutely. So it's an intimate time with the Lord. In Psalm 73, verse 28, it says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. Sometimes we have the mindset, Oh God, please stir me up. Could you imagine being in a marriage and your husband or your wife says to you, Please remind me every so often to tell you I love you. That wouldn't go down too well, would it? We have this almost a, a, a subtle attitude of, oh, God, stir me up. Do you know you're created in the image of God? And so the same way you have certain reactions, God has certain reactions. And we have this mindset, God, stir me up. God, prepare my heart. Stir me, God, so that I'll run after you. Sometimes God says, stir yourself up. You know the truth. You know the facts. 
You've had the before and the after. Remind yourself of how horrible the before is and how good the after is. Stir yourself up in the Holy Ghost. If I always have to wait for God to stir me up, I'm not contributing too much to this relationship. Hello? Good preaching, Pastor Rob. How many of you got a little bit of meat stuck between your teeth right now? I want to show you another video of Grebes. They are a swan-like bird found in Oregon. And I want you to see what these birds do. This is a picture of a mutual relationship. In all the other videos, we saw the male strutting his stuff, snapping his wings, singing, all for a moment of intimacy. Now we're going to watch two lovebirds. During spring on the freshwater lakes of Oregon, dreams joined together to renew their partnership. The Spirit of God is drawing us. We've been blessed with a whole new year. Let's take that gift of life that not everyone has received. Let's take that gift and for the next 21 days come into his presence and submit this gift to him and say, Dad, I want to live your life, not my life. For the next 21 days, let's make a special effort to have God time, not just on Sunday, not just Tuesday night ladies' prayer meeting or cadet group. That's when we get together with a group of people. There's a little bit more incentive and sometimes there are 
other motives as well, and that's okay. But let's for the next 21 days say, God, draw me and I'll run after you. In fact, God, I'm just going to run after you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be in your arms. I've gotten covered with the stuff of life. And I need to just seclude myself and nestle in your arms. Men, we need to be lovers of God. And don't be afraid to show emotion. And don't be afraid to be affectionate. I'm going to tell you right now, your marriage is inhibited if you are inhibited in expressing emotion and affection towards God. You can't separate the two. And so I think with the blessing of a whole new year in front of us, and everybody knows, a new year can be like the throw of a dice. It could be good, it could be bad. I want to start this new year humbly becoming before the Lord and saying, God, you've given me the gift of life. And I want my life to count. And I want to make sure I'm not opening up doors to the demonic world. And so I'm going to start this new year by humbling myself and taking time out to be intimate with you. Can I get an agreement here? Fasting is an issue of making your flesh and your soul chill. You see, let me break it down to its reality. You are a spirit first, a soul and a human body. The soul is the realm of your intellect, where you store memories, where you have logic, where you have reason, where you have belief systems and thought patterns, where you have grudges and unforgiveness and resentment, where you have opinions, some very strong. The soul is the realm of your emotions, tied to things in your mind. That's often where hurts, the thoughts and the memories of the mind and the emotions of the soul come into agreement on a negative vein and they often become strongholds of demonic activity. And it's in those places that demons will control us and we see the evidence of brokenness, knee-jerk reactions. You are a spirit first and a soul, and you have a physical body with needs and urges and drives. And in the Garden of Eden, there was divine order. God first, God's word, God's spirit. Man was first and foremost a spirit being. 
It's very interesting that when Lucifer came, he came to upset the divine order. And so he doesn't appeal to their spirit. He doesn't come with the word of God. He appeals to their soul. If you eat of this tree, you'll have knowledge of good and evil. How many of you enjoy watching the news at night and listening to all the garbage that's going on? How many of you get edified doing that? Right? It lifts you up. It's just a wonderful experience. We're going to have a news party. Come on, bring your pajamas over. Bring some food. We're going to watch all the news that's happening around the world. Have you ever heard of a news party? I haven't. But the enemy appealed to Adam and Eve. Listen, don't put your spirit first. Let me entice you. There is secret knowledge outside of God's knowledge. There are other points of view that I can show you things God doesn't want you to know. He appealed to their soul and he appealed to their physical body. Eve saw and Adam saw that it was good for gaining knowledge, but it was knowledge outside of God's knowledge. I got news for you. I've eaten from that tree. And the knowledge that is outside of God's knowledge is nothing but an open door for demonic activity to mess up Rob Scarallo. That's the truth. I've spent most of my life trying to close those doors again and get that stuff out of my memory and out of my emotions. He appealed to their soul. He appealed to their physical body. They saw that it was pleasant to the eye and desirable for food. What he was doing was trying to break the divine order of God. Instead of being a spirit person first, he made them soulish and he made them materialistic. Body-orientated, need-orientated. And the world is driven by that. And if we're going to rise up and break the disorder of this worldly order, we must come back into agreement with God and come into divine order, spirit first. With our soul in submission to the things of God. Our soul surrendering to our spirit and our physical body surrendering to our spirit. So that we will be spiritual men and women full of the Holy Ghost that comes from God. Can I get an agreement? In Luke chapter 1 verse 80 It talks of John the Baptist, and he's just a little boy, and it says the child grew and became strong in spirit. When you fast, and you say no to the rumbling of your stomach, and you say no to husbands and wives, to sexual urges, you say no to the things the flesh needs, and you say yes to the spirit, Your spirit is taking dominance in your life. And you're growing in spirit. When you say no to hanging out with your friends, having a night out, going to the movies, because the Spirit of God is saying, come. I want to spend time with you. Come worship the Father. And when you make that decision to do that, 
you're actually allowing your spirit to grow and become strong. We are so led by our intellect and our emotions and our physical needs. And those are the things that stop us from being spiritual. When we're led by the Spirit and we deny those other things, the Spirit grows. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, this time it's talking about the young boy Jesus, the Son of God. And it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So the second thing that fasting is, it's a correction of the disorder that's in the confusion of this world. When I fast, I'm bringing my world back into divine order, and I'm bringing my world back into agreement with God. Fasting is a powerful thing. Unfortunately, it doesn't get taught like this in churches. But when you start to fast, it is planning for success. It is. When the Spirit of God is calling and you say yes and your flesh is saying no, but you keep saying yes, you are responding to the path of success. And lastly, fasting is a time of humbling oneself, repenting, and coming before the Lord for a breakthrough. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Solomon, David's son, had just built this magnificent, glorious temple. Stunning, incredibly opulent. It was a sign of their passion and reverence to God. He's worth all this. We struggle to put an offering in the offering plate. Sometimes attitudes will be stirred up when it's time to bring an offering. You know what Solomon did? He took gold, melted it down, and he painted the walls of God's house. He's dedicating the temple. That's where this verse comes from. He's dedicating this place where they're going to meet with God. And God fills the house. And this is what he says. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek me, FaceTime with me. We have FaceTime with everybody. God says, have some FaceTime with me. Turn the computer off and turn your spirit on and have FaceTime with me. Turn from all of your other ways, sin included. And I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive your sins and your failures. And I'll start to heal your home, your family, and I'll heal your land. Church, I believe the Spirit of God is calling us He's drawing us. And I encourage you, out of a willing, hungry desire for the next 21 days, fast, pray. You could do a Daniel's fast. 
research it. There are many ways to fast. You might choose to say, you know what, I'm actually going to go without food. I'll just drink juices or water. Don't juice a turkey if you're going to do a juice fast. <laughs> Let me see how much meat I could get in there. I think it defeats the purpose. The point is, you're making a sacrifice. You're saying no to your urges and your wants because you're saying yes to your spirit and the Holy Spirit. I promise you, I promise you, you will grow spiritually. You want to hear from God? Learn to make your spirit stronger than your soul. You want to move in the power of the Holy Ghost? Deny your flesh a little bit and have some face time with God and do the things your flesh doesn't want to do, but the Spirit of God is whispering for you to do. You want to see in the Spirit? You want to hear in the Spirit? Jesus said, these people have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. How many of you see in the Spirit? How many of you hear in the Spirit on a regular basis? You have spiritual eyes as much as you have physical eyes because you are first and foremost a spirit being. And I love to fast because it cleanses me, not the way humanists talk about or New Agers talk about. It cleanses me in the sense that I separate myself from everything else and I saturate myself with God and the presence of God and I start to see and hear from a whole nother realm. The Shulamite woman said, draw me and I will run after you. I say to you, don't even wait for him to draw you. Look at your before and your after. And out of appreciation for who he is, let's rise and let's run with him. Can I get an agreement? Come on, let's stand. I want to remind this church, this Saturday, uh, we have a memorial service for Tom, uh, one of our dear men, uh, a giant of a guy, a softy teddy bear, went to be with Jesus only a few weeks ago. And um, Linda, the love of his life is here, and uh, we're going to join together with Linda And uh, we're going to remember Tom, and we're going to honor Tom, and we're going to help bring healing to Linda. She's not alone. We're family. As a church, we're coming around Linda, and we're going to support her in this time. The memorial service will be at 11 o'clock. I encourage you, whether you knew Tom or not, we're family. We're family. And this is what family does. We show support. We want to honor Tom. I know where he is. And uh, he's having, he's hearing the best preaching you could ever hear now. And he's having the best worship sessions you could ever have. Amen. But as we close, there's another way that God draws. Jesus said, I will come to every individual 
And at multiple points in their life, I'm going to knock on their door. I'm going to knock on their heart. I'm going to knock and give them opportunity to open the door and let me come in. Coming to church is great, but it's empty unless you let Jesus come into your heart. Church, grace and faith cannot save you. Grace and faith is not the name you have to quote when you're up against demons and they got your back to the wall. They are not going to bow their knees at the name of grace and faith. Every one of us has to have a personal passionate, ongoing relationship with the God of wonders, with the way maker, with the one who walks on water for a normal daily stroll, for the one who turns water into wine, for the one who does miracles. God desires relationship with you. And if you're backslidden or you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, And put the prayer and fasting aside for a minute. Let's get to something even more important. Let's let Jesus Christ into our hearts. Every eye closed. If you've walked away, if you've stumbled away, if your heart has become cold to the things of God, let's start the year right. Maybe you've been running from God for a long time. Maybe you're a preacher's kid and you've walked away from the church. Maybe you're not a preacher's kid, but you've just allowed hurts in church or hurts in the world to get the better of you. Come on. You can break through the crusty shell by a simple decision of humbling yourself and submitting to the Spirit of God. And if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, Jesus said, no one can come to the Father but by me. He didn't die on the cross to start a new trend or just another type of religion and all religions go to heaven. No, 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 no. He took this drastic action because nobody else could make a way to heaven but him. With every eye closed, if you'd like to accept Jesus in your heart today, if you want to say yes and let the Spirit of God come in and wash you and cleanse you and live inside of you, if you want relationship with God and you've not had one, while every eye is closed, quickly put your hand up. Come on, put your hand up and say, I want that. I don't want religion. I want relationship. One, two, three, Thank you. You can put your hands down. Who else? Raise your hand if you haven't already. Four up the back. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Who else? Five. Good. God bless you, sir. Others. Uh, It's great. Men and women right across the auditorium raising their hands. Who else? You're not joining this church. I promise you, as the pastor of this church, I cannot save you. Coming to this church will not save you. You must have a relationship with Jesus himself. It's one-on-one. Religion doesn't do it. But Jesus will. Who else would like to accept Jesus? Isn't this great, church? Are you excited? Yeah. Amen.
Before we close, who else would like to raise your hand and say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior this morning. I want to do that. I want to get right with God. Would you very quietly, politely turn to someone next to you and ask them, would you like to ask Jesus in your heart? Encourage them if they haven't done that already to do so. Amen. Those of you that raised your hand, we're going to pray. I want the whole church to pray right now. I would love to have just a couple of minutes with you after the service. Come up and shake my hand. Would you do that? If someone next to you, you just asked them and they said yes, they want to ask Jesus, bring them. Bring them out the front. I'm going to ask the rest of the church, let me have some time with those who are responding for the first time. Amen. You could even come right now. Don't be shy. That's right. Come on. You can come right now. There they are. They're coming. Come on. Up the back. Come. You can come right now and respond. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want everyone to repeat this prayer. What a great way to start the new year. Come on, give it up for everyone who raised their hands this morning. Father, I thank you. You're going to touch them in Jesus' name. Everyone, repeat after me. Dear God. I know you love me. I'm feeling it. I'm asking you, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. I need you. And today, I decide I want to let you in. Forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes. Wash away. My failures. Heal my hurts. Live inside me. I receive you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Jesus. Father, let your spirit touch them right now. Thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Touch them. Every one of them, just touch them. Fill them with your spirit. Let them know this is more than religion. This is the beginning of a great relationship. I thank you, Jesus. Amen.